0: Project Church, what's up? Man, good to see you. My name is Caleb, I'm one of the pastors here, and I have the opportunity to share with you today as we continue this Lighten Up series, as you just saw. Uh, We are going through this series. It's all about breaking free from the prison of performance and success. We live in a culture that is very uh, directed towards and focused on what we do, how successful we are, um, all the things that we accomplish, and yet I believe... In the kingdom of God, we have freedom in Jesus and him alone. We don't have to do enough. We don't have to be good enough. We don't have to be holy enough because Jesus was already all of that for us. And so I want to encourage you today. I hope this word encourages you. Um, You should be catching up on these messages because I think these are going to set a lot of people free. You can watch on YouTube. Just search Project Church Sacramento or we have an iTunes podcast. You can listen on there. But last week we talked about comparison versus calling. And I uh, had a great word encouraged by that. And then today we're talking about control versus surrender. So let me start by asking, where are my control freaks at? Just raise your hand, own it, be honest about it. Okay, a lot of you, wow. A lot of you are with me. Some of you are reaching two hands up. Well done. Man, control is something that I think a lot of us deal with in today's culture, being controlling people. And uh, just yesterday, my family and I, we went swimming my parents live about a mile from us and they have a pool god is good and uh on a day like yesterday when it's 100 degrees we're able to just shoot over and hit the pool and my wife is one of those people who is always cold and so she doesn't like to swim because she's always cold so uh the the water was 87 degrees and she's like i don't know honey it's a little chilly and uh, she's like but i'll i'll try it i'll stick my foot in and so she walks over to like stick her foot in to feel it and all of a sudden i'm not looking i hear a scream and i turn see her falling into the pool and my six-year-old standing behind her laughing because my son a young man after my own heart shoved my wife into the pool And, and let me tell you like i did not encourage this though he did it on his own um mommy who 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 you know could have been a little controlling in the moment got out was not happy but then a few minutes later was like, Canaan, that was pretty funny. Mommy needs to be a good sport. And uh, she let go of some of her control issues. I was proud of her. But, man, we, we all deal with this reality of control. Maybe you're in this room and you don't consider yourself or identify as a controlling person. And yet I think every one of us has tried to control situations at times. We may not be naturally controlling people but we still do at times try to control things what do we try to control we try to control our finances we try to control how successful we are we try to control our jobs and how far or quick we move up the ladder so to say we try to control people control people in relationships maybe control your spouse or control the person you're dating we try to control a lot of things in life And yet God is calling us to be people of surrender, that we would let go of control and we would surrender ourselves to him. So I want to read from Colossians. I'm still thinking about our last series. I want to read from 1 Samuel. If you have your Bibles, go to 1 Samuel. I'm going to read from chapter number 13. I'm going to read verse 8 through 13. You can follow along on the screen with me. There's a big Bible behind me. But this is one of the greatest examples of a controlling person we have in Scripture. And it was... This story is about a man named King Saul. So first, Israel tries to control their lives and their situations by telling God they want a king. Because they want to be like every other nation. Thinking that if they have a king, then their nation will be better. Even though they had God as their leader. God as their king. So God says, okay, I'll give you a king. He gives them Saul. And Saul becomes an utter failure. And it starts here. This is the beginning of the end For Saul, when he tries to take matters into his own hands, he tries to control a situation. So let's read starting in verse number eight. He waited seven days, he being Saul, the time appointed by Samuel. But Samuel did not come to Gilgal and the people were scattering from him. So Saul said, bring the burnt offering here to me and the peace offerings. And he offered the burnt offering. As soon as he had finished offering the burnt offering, behold, Samuel came. And Saul went out to meet him and greet him. Samuel said, what have you done? And Saul said, when I saw that the people were scattering from me, that you did not come within the days appointed that the Philistines had mustered at Michmash, I said, now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal, and I have not sought the favor of the Lord. So I forced myself and offered the burnt offerings. And Samuel said to Saul, you have done foolishly. You have not kept the command of the Lord your God, with which he commanded you. For then the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. Can we pray? Would you bow your heads with me? Jesus, thank you for your word. I pray that we would be challenged to live as people of surrender to you and let go of our control. We love you. We praise you. Thank you for the opportunity to worship together today in this place. In your name we pray. And everybody said, amen. So I want to start by giving you six pitfalls of control. I'm going to end today by giving you uh, or talking to you about how to have a posture of surrender. But I think that some of you in this room right now are like, I like being controlling. And uh, I think control is good. Like, You're proud of your controlling nature. And, and so I want to give you some of the pitfalls and why I think we need to move away from being people of control to people of surrender first so let's start there pitfalls of control number one we become addicted to control you know that when you become controlling you want more control and the more control you you exert the more control you want until eventually you're completely addicted by it let me tell you that addiction is not a good thing addiction to anything because a good thing when it becomes addiction can become a god thing in your life and when a good thing becomes a God thing, it's no longer a good thing. And we make a lot of good things into God things. And there's only one God that we're supposed to have. And so a lot of us have become addicted to control. Man, I'm addicted to candy. I love candy, y'all. Some of you with me. And so every night almost I come home. I got, last night I came home with a bag of Sour Patch Kids. Uh, I like the tropical ones. And so I came home with them. And, and, and my, my kids are like, Dad, can we get some Sour Patch Kids? I'm like, nah, go to bed. Um. Uh, these are daddies they're like why can't we I'm like because you're kids I'm an adult it's okay for me and uh you know I don't really have a good reason I just put them to bed and and so man this this addiction though has become an issue because now my kids see it and they always want candy because daddy's always eating candy not good we become addicted to control and some of you in this room you would say man that's me I have to control everything every situation every circumstance every person in my life and when we become addicted to it, it, becomes, it has a very negative impact and effect on our life. Saul's life was defined by a need for control. Here he takes control of a situation, of a circumstance. He grabs control uh, of this situation where Philistines have showed up and are encamping against him. He has to have control. He has to have the desired outcome. He goes on and we're going to read and we're going to look at another story in, in the next chapter or chapter 15 where, again, he gets caught up with control. We have to avoid control because the more we want it, the more we need it, the, the more we're desiring for it, the more addicted we get to it. And then it becomes our identity. Second today, second pitfall of control is we are led by fear. So if you were paying attention to the story I read, Saul... He is waiting for Samuel. Samuel says, wait for me. I'm going to come. I'll offer the sacrifices and then we'll go to battle. The Philistines have come and encamped against him, meaning they're getting ready to to fight them, to, to go to war with them. And he's waiting and Samuel doesn't show up. And not only does Samuel doesn't show up on the day he said he would show up, but the people start to leave. And how many of you know that fear can be a very strong emotion in our life? And what happens, and what happens for Saul here is his fear begins to lead him. He says, I know God has commanded me not to sacrifice. I know I'm not supposed to offer sacrifices to God. I know that's the prophet's job. I know that's never been appointed by me. In fact, God told me not to do it and to wait for him. I know Samuel told me to wait. But people are leaving, and I'm afraid. So I'm going to take matters into my own hands. What fear does, and why it's a pitfall, is because it makes us do things that we otherwise wouldn't do. It makes us do things that we know we shouldn't do. That's what fear does. It leads us to make choices that are compromising because the fear has taken over the rational decision-making part of our brains. And some of you have made wrong decisions because you're being led by fear. The rationality has left and the fear has taken hold. It's taking control. When you are caught up in a, con- in, in a nature in and in a mindset of control, then fear begins to lead you. Number three, we are handicapping our faith. Let me tell you, I know all of you in this place, you're here because you want to grow. You want to grow in your faith. You want to grow in some way. And I can be honest and tell you that there's been moments where my controlling nature has actually held me back from the faith that God wants me to have. A lot of people in the church are saying, man, why don't we see miracles like we used to see back in the early church? People come to me, why don't we see miracles like they do in other countries? Let me tell you why. Because we won't give God an opportunity to work a miracle. We don't want to step out of the boat and try to walk on water and say, God, it's up to you now. No, we want to hang on to the side of the boat and think God's going to do something. You can't walk on water if you don't get out of the boat. So what we're doing is we're actually handicapping our faith by trying to control every circumstance and situation. If we're gonna grow, we gotta step out in faith. If we're gonna grow in our faith, we have to allow God to work miracles. When we try to control every situation, every circumstance, every person, we're actually handicapping our own faith from growing. We're holding ourselves back from the faith that God wants to expand and grow and do new things in. This is another one of the pitfalls of control. Fourth, there's a tainting of timing. Everybody say timing. How many of you know God's timing is always better than our timing? But what happens here? Samuel says, wait. Wait in Gilgal. I'll be there shortly. I'll be there on this day. And that day arrives. The day has come. The people are leaving. And Saul says, you know what? Samuel's not here. I'm going to do it myself. I'll make the sacrifice myself. He actually says, and I love that he, he, the way he words it to Samuel. He says, I forced myself. He says, I, I forced myself to make the sacrifice. This is what happens when we operate in our timing rather than God's timing. We're forcing things to happen that were not meant to happen yet. And I love that it actually says that he makes the sacrifice and like a, a few minutes later, Samuel comes walking up. So he just finishes the sacrifice and here comes Samuel. He says, what have you done? What, have you, what are you doing? I told you to wait. I actually told you I'd be here on this day. And, and, and you did it anyways. You went ahead with it. Our timing is not better than God's timing. We have to trust his timing. But what happens is we taint God's timing by trying to take control ourselves. God has a perfect timing, but we see it from our perspective, from our mindset, from man's with man's ideas in place. And so we'll say, well, I gotta do it now, because if I don't do it now, it's not gonna work out. We're tainting the timing of God. I know it's hard to wait. I know it's hard to be patient. I know it's hard to trust because you ain't got married yet. I know it's hard to to have faith because you haven't gotten that job you've been wanting yet. But let me tell you, you're going to taint the timing of God if you don't wait on the perfect timing of God. He wants us to trust Him and trust His timing. We taint the timing. The fourth pitfall. Number five is there's the temptation of partial obedience. Listen to me in this. Partial obedience is disobedience. Saul, the the end of Saul's reign, so to say, is in chapter 15 because Saul commits an act of partial obedience. God comes to him through the prophet and says, look, I want you to wipe out this people group. They're attacking you. They're coming against you. Uh, They're evil. They're trying to wipe you out. I want you to wipe them out, kill them and all of their animals, all their livestock, everything. I want you to end it. And so Saul goes and he kills some of them. But then it says that Saul has this idea where Saul says, man, but if I actually do this, if I actually keep some of them alive, they'll be an ally for me in the future. He says they could be an ally for me down the road. And some of us have done this with God. We want to We want to obey only to the level or to the part where it makes sense to us. And then we want to maneuver and and connive and say, I can make this work in a little different way for me if I do it this way. So we partially obey. And this is where Samuel comes to Saul. And he says at the end of this little section where Saul keeps some of them alive because he sees them as an opportunity for an ally. He says, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God has departed from you he says you will no longer be the king and the next chapter he anoints david the next king of israel why because of partial obedience i can't emphasize enough how important this is that we would be people of full and fully devoted obedience to god not partially but fully so this last week Thank you guys for praying for me. I was by myself for a week with three children while my wife was in Guatemala. Welcome back, Guatemala team. God did a lot of amazing things. Um, but man, three kids by myself. on one night this week, uh, I, we had dinner. We were eating dinner. And, and my, my middle child, Kai, he was not wanting to eat. And, and I'm a parent, so I do something that a lot of parents do. I, I actually, like, I trade and, and, and negotiate with my kids, so I'm like, listen, you eat seven pieces of chicken, I'll give you a cookie. And usually it starts like that uh, down the road about five minutes in. We're like, okay, three pieces of chicken, I'll give you a cookie. Okay, just lick the chicken, I'll give you a cookie. I, I just need at least that. Like, okay, I'm kidding, I don't really do that. But, but I do negotiate with them. And so I'm negotiating with Kai, I'm like, Kai, listen, man, I need you, I need you to, to eat this chicken, I'll give you a cookie. He's like, all right, dad. And so I turn my head, I turn back, and he's chewing. He has some chicken in his mouth. And all his chicken are gone. I'm like, buddy, you did it. It was just a few minutes later. And I'm like, I'm proud of you. Way to go. So I take them up, you know, give them baths, read them bedtime story, all these kinds of things, put them to bed. I come down to clean up. I get down to clean up and underneath the table are like five pieces of chicken. (laughs) My son, while I wasn't looking, had dropped them on the ground and like kicked them under the table and hid them from me. What was this? This was partial obedience. He ate a piece of chicken, maybe two, but the rest he slid under the table. What was he doing? He was deceiving me. He was actually lying to me. He needs Jesus. Y'all pray for him, okay? (laughs) There is a temptation of partial obedience, the temptation that Saul fell into. But I want to tell you, I want to encourage you right now, that we must be people of full obedience to God. When we try to control situations, which we all do, the temptation will be to be partially obedient as far as it makes sense to us. But God is calling us to be obedient whether it makes sense or not. And sixth and finally, the sixth and final pitfall of control is the elimination of threats. What happens is we're controlling people. We try to eliminate every threat that comes against us. So last, uh, I think it was like two weeks ago, I I was outside actually... We, we went to lunch and, and my boy Josue was there with me and he was wearing his Brazil jersey. And it was the day that Brazil was playing Mexico. And we came out of the restaurant and this dude was in a Mexico jersey walking down the street and he's walking towards us. And my six-year-old is with me. And, and this dude starts like cussing and yelling like in our face because he saw Josue's Brazil jersey. And my initial reaction was to like step I got I stepped like super close to the dude I'm like what are you doing bro like let's go I don't even care about Mexico or Brazil uh I mean I care about the countries I don't care about the the world cup okay as it relates to that and, and I don't care about the world cup I didn't care who won but I heard a threat and my initial reaction was to like step up and Be like what you want to go let's go bro like let's do this you got something to say That's our natural reaction when threats come against us. We want to eliminate them. When we're controlling people, we're even more, uh, we have even greater propensity towards that. That we try to eliminate every threat that comes against us. Saul did this. In fact, a few chapters later, in chapter 18, we see now that David has been anointed to be the next king. We see now that David is getting praises. He kills Goliath. He goes to battle with Israel and wins wars. And the people begin to sing songs. They, see it, they say Saul's killed his thousands, but David has killed his tens, th- tens of thousands. And Saul, he's threatened by David. And there's an interesting part of this story in chapter 18 where Saul actually gives his daughter, Michael, to be the wife of David. But it says that the reason why is so that he could catch him that he could get a foothold with him as it relates to the Philistines. He is so obsessed with controlling and eliminating threats that he uses his own daughter as a pawn in ending the threat that's come against him. This is a great example of terrible fatherhood, okay? Terrible parenting. But this is what happens. When we are controlling people, we will make irrational decisions We will use the people around us as a means to an end to eliminate that which comes against us. The pitfalls of control. This is why I know some of you are like, I'm a control freak. Yes, loud and proud. We have to be those that say, you know what, God? I know I deal with control. And I'm with you, man. I'm a controlling person. I try to control things, I want to control situations, I want to control results. But we have to move to be people of surrender. That our hearts are surrendered to God. That we're willing to surrender to what it is that God has for us. So let's talk about how to have a posture of surrender. First is accept that control is an illusion. Great quote from Jurassic Park Control is an illusion. But I'm here to tell you it is, it's an illusion. I, uh, I I started playing golf a few years back. I didn't play like growing up or in high school, but then after college, I was like, "Man, I'm gonna I'm gonna take up this game." And recently, it's become my favorite sport to play. I was a basketball player. I still play, but I'm at the point now, guys. Uh, in two weeks, I turn 37. Crazy, okay? So I'm at the point now. I know you guys think I look so young. I appreciate it, but I'm at the point now where. I realized like my, my days are numbered when it comes to playing basketball. But golf, you can play until you're like 90. So it's like my new favorite sport. So I play all the time. But I, I used to go to the course and, and I would get mad all the time. i get angry. And i get angry because I'd hit the ball one way one day and a different way the next day. And I used to go to the golf course and, and I'm going to teach you guys some golf terms today, okay? Is that all right? So and I, I always want to hit a draw, which a draw means for me the ball's turning from right to left because you get a little more distance with the draw. So I always wanted to hit a draw. But some days I'd go to the golf course, and, and if, if the keys would come back, Lauren, if you'd come back in the band. But some days I'd go to the golf course and I'd hit, I'd be hitting a fade. A fade is when the ball for a righty goes from left to right. And so I would go to the golf course and I'd get so mad like I want to hit a draw and I'm hitting the fade and the whole round I'd be trying to hit a draw and trying to hit a draw and trying the whole round I'm getting more and more frustrated more and more angry and it's affecting my game so one of my buddies I was at the range with him one day and I was telling him about it and how frustrated I get he said Caleb listen you need to play whatever shot you have that day and I was like what what do you mean play whatever no I want to hit a draw he's like no Caleb sometimes you get out there and that's the shot you have you just got to play that shot play the shot that you have and it changed like this mindset so now I go and when I'm playing wherever I'm going whatever direction I'm hitting if I'm hitting a fade or a draw I just play that shot and let me tell you it changed my mindset. It changed my spirits on the course. It changed how I play. My, my score is even started to drop. Come on somebody. I think that a lot of us because we're so controlling we think that we have control that we have the same issue with God and God is sometimes pushing us right and we want to go left so bad. God's nudging us to the left but we want to go right so bad and what I want to tell you is that control is illusion and surrender is about allowing God to lead your life whichever way he sees fit not what you want and when you're controlling you want to fight against God you're like me on the course and you're you're going right and the whole day you're trying to go left I want to go left I'm so frustrated I'm not going left but when we surrender then when we're going left we say okay God if that's where you're going if that's where you're taking me I'll go when we're going right say okay God you want me to go right I'll go right you see a lot of us are willing to obey but listen to me in this obedience is a momentary decision but surrender is the posture of the kingdom of God surrender is a posture of the heart transformation happens on the other side of surrender If you want to be transformed as a person, you have to be a person that says, God, I will surrender to what you want, not what I want. If you're pushing me right, I'll go right. If you're pushing me left, I'll go left. Even if I want to go the opposite, I'm going to trust you. Second, we got to allow our faith to supersede our fear. When fear leads us, we make irrational decisions. When fear leads us, we do things like Saul did. Where he's actually using people in his life as pawns. He was afraid of what man thought. He was afraid of what might happen rather than trusting God and God's timing. Let your faith supersede your fear. Third, got to walk out obedience rooted in this commitment to surrender. Here's what I think happens. People who won't let go of control, they are willing and will even listen to the wrong voices. When you aren't willing to let go of control, you will listen to the wrong voices in your life. You will even listen to the voices of the enemy as long as they agree with what you want. Controlling people naturally listen to the wrong voices. What we need is people in our life who will tell us what we need to hear, not always what we want to hear. And when we become people of surrender. We're postured in a place of humility that receives words that are even contrary to what we thought or how we think things should go. That says, I'm going to listen, even if it doesn't make sense, in my natural way of thinking. We have to walk out obedience, rooted in this commitment of surrender. Fourth, we have to submit our will to his, his will. Say, my will... Say my will to His will. Say my will to His will. We have to submit what we want to what God knows. I know you all have desires. I know you have dreams. I know you have goals. And I think those are all amazing things to have. I have them for my life, for my marriage, for my family. But I want to tell you at the end of the day, We have to pray the prayer that Jesus prayed, not my will, but your will be done. Not what I want, but what you want. Not what I see, but what you have. Because God doesn't just see it, He has it. He has it just waiting for you. It's on the other side of surrender. The the life that you've always wanted, the joy that you want to have, the happiness that you are seeking, I believe, is just on the other side of surrender. You think it's if you just get this, you accomplish that, you're successful here. But I'm here to tell you, none of that is going to meet the need that you have missing in your life. The only thing that will is surrendering to the God that comes in and fills that hole in your life. It's about surrender. And finally, we have to trust. Let trust be your default. I believe that surrender is all about one word. It's trust. It's all about one word. Trust. When we learn to trust God, we are surrendered people. We are no longer controlling. And a lot of us, man, we're, we're in life right now and you're, you're holding on so tight. A lot of us, we go, yeah, I'm a control freak, man, and, and I like it. I love it. I love my control. We are holding on so tight. We got both hands tight-fisted, squeezing. We don't want to let go. We think if I got control, then I'll get the desired result. If I got control, then I can succeed. If I got control, then I can perform well. If I have control, then I'll end up exactly where I want to be. But I want to tell you right now, you'll keep living a bound up life. A life in prison. A life in chains until you learn to release control and surrender and say, God, I'm going to trust you God's people live in open-handed surrender. Not tight-fisted control. Open-handed surrender. I wanted you to hear this today because I believe some of you in here, you're, you're like, you're like me. You have control issues. If you had to be honest, you'd raise your hand and say, that's me. But I didn't want you coming in this place feeling condemned. I didn't want you to come in this place or walk out of this place feeling condemned like man i'm a failure i'm a control freak i got to change that i wanted you to hear the freedom that's found in surrender that god isn't up there in heaven judging you right now for your controlling tendencies but what god is doing is saying listen just surrender to me and you'll find the freedom you've been looking for a lot of us think control will lead to success control will lead to joy control will lead to happiness But it's not until we learn to surrender and trust that we find all of those things. So what God is wanting to say to you today and say to me today is I'm not here to condemn you. I'm here to restore you. And I want you to let go and open your hands and surrender to what I have for you, to what I have for your life, to what's on the other side of this control that you've been holding on to. And so I believe some people are going to be set free today in this place. Somebody in this place is going to be set free. God is going to literally remove control from your life. He's going to teach you to surrender. Teach you to walk out surrender every single day. I want to say this to you, though, before we go. If you're in this place and you don't know the God of surrender, he wanted you here for a reason and a purpose. He wanted you to meet him. You see, we serve a Savior that actually came down to this earth, lived the perfect life, and in His last moments, He surrendered to the will of His Father. Because He knew that in His surrender, freedom would be found for all of mankind. Freedom for you, and for you, and for you, and for you, and for you, that freedom would be found. He surrendered to release freedom. And I want to tell you that if you surrender you will find freedom, freedom in Jesus. It's time that we postured ourselves as people of surrender in this place. Would you bow your heads with me across the room?